So church, we are doing a deep dive into the call of God to rebuild uh, community, rebuild trust, rebuild purpose and influence in this very challenging and exciting period of time. We're using the the memoirs of Nehemiah, and we started the story last week looking at his grief over the devastation of his nation and over the lostness and despair of his people. That grief, it it pushed him to make some decisions, and, and one of the decisions that he made was that he would be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. That he would be a builder that he would somehow, some way, rebuild the walls to the city of Jerusalem. That was a bold and audacious move on his part because he had nothing. He had no money, he had no equipment, he had no supplies, he had no experience, he had no way to get from Persia the 900 miles back to the city of Jerusalem. He had nothing. And he was a slave in Persia. And slaves don't even make minimum wage. He listed his profession as bartender for the king of Persia. That's not the resume that a headhunter would be looking for for a major building project like the wall of the capital city. Two principles that you need to pay attention to in the kingdom of God when you want to be a builder. The first is that availability always trumps ability. Availability always trumps ability. God chooses. He actually goes out and chooses to work with people that to the world look foolish and feeble so that when he does what he does, the world will know that this was a God event, that it was God who did it. Never, ever underestimate the power or the impact of an act of simple obedience. Do what you've been asked to do and stand back and watch God do more than you ever believed possible. And the second principle is this. Nehemiah's example shows that a strong and bold prayer life is not an option. He decides that he will be a builder and he goes immediately and goes consistently to prayer. Chapter 1, verse 11 states that he prays, Oh, please hear my prayer. I'm asking you very clearly, he says, for what I believe is your purpose. I'm asking for something that only you can do. There are those in my people group who delight in honoring you, and I am one of those, God, so answer my prayer. I'm going to approach the king with a request, and I need your help. I need your intervention. I want you to give me success by allowing the king to see me and to see my situation differently than he has ever seen either of those before. I'm going to ask him to be generous with me and to release me from his purpose and give me to your purpose, God. And so I need your help. This is my request. Put it in the heart of God. Put it in the heart of the king to be kind to me. I'm asking for the favor of God on this request. Favor is a biblical principle. It's based on the understanding that God can and does turn hearts. He can turn any heart 
any direction that he sees fit. And so Nehemiah is saying, change the heart of the king. Normally, a slave would have no ability to speak to nobility. It was a strict speak when spoken to policy. To dare to raise an issue in the court of the king would be seen as an insult, as an appropriation of power and voice that you were never expected to to have or to use in the state of your slavery. Nehemiah knows that it's only the king that can release him. And so that conversation has to be had. And yet, how does he land the right to be heard? There's only one way, and that is God. You are going to have to turn a heart. I don't know how, and I don't know when, but you have the power to open this door. If the church is going to be all that God dreamt of her to be, she's going to have to be a church that that knows how to pray, knows how to ask God for favor, believes that God can change the hardest and harshest of hearts in the most pressing and desperate situations. So chapter 2 states that four months after the news had come to him in December, Now it's late March, early April, and he is serving the king his wine. And he makes this note, in all of this time that he had been in the service of the king, Nehemiah had never appeared to be sad in front of the king. It was not his place. He was to be as inconspicuous, as invisible as possible. But today was different. It was obvious that The bartender had something on his heart that was making him sad. And Nehemiah says, I was serving the king his wine, and the king observed something that that was different on this day. And he says to me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick. You must be deeply troubled about something. Tell me, what is it? God had created this, this moment, this opportunity and, and I love this memoir in that Nehemiah tells the truth. He says, I was terrified. I, I was absolutely full of fear, rightly so, because if he said it wrong or, or if he misstepped, it could be a, a giant mess. And so he, he was terrified. But the Bible says over and over again that we're not to allow fear to control us. Fear not. It doesn't mean that we will never be afraid or that we won't wrestle with terror in our own hearts. It just means we won't allow it to have a place where it restricts us, where it holds us back from carrying out the mission that God has for us. And so Nehemiah, terrified as he was, sees an open door as the provision of God, and he replies, I honor you, your majesty. But allow me to tell you that I am dealing what that I'm dealing with something very heavy and, and and I want to tell you why I'm sad. You see, the city of my ancestors is in ruin. The, the gates of that great city have been destroyed by fire. My people, my home, they're they're in danger, they're they're in despair, and I'm here and I can do nothing about it. Is there anything more frustrating? And and I'm talking to a people 
who know exactly what I'm saying here right now with the current circumstances, is there anything more frustrating than seeing a need, than, than having a loved one in trouble, than, than facing a crisis and not feeling like there's anything that we can do to change it? I'm sad because my people are in crisis and my homeland is destroyed. And I'm so far away and I have nothing in my hands to do or to to help. Need plus helplessness can equal discouragement, can equal frustration. In the Bible, there's these two words often found together. But God. When you have need and helplessness, it can go to frustration and discouragement. But God, the the favor of God added to that equation, comes up with a, a very different equation. And the king said to Nehemiah in verse 4, Well, how can I help you? What can I do? I, I like you. I, I appreciate you. I, I'd like to help you. It comes from one of the most unexpected and unbelievable places. A hand, a help, a door opens and help comes. In our current situation, I see a lot of our anger. And I get that. I understand that. I hear a lot of blame. You should have. They should have. And again, I can understand that. I'm sad to see such deep and destructive division on what should and should not be done. I I understand that it's frustration working its way through our our hearts and our minds. I, I get that. I have watched for six decades, and I know that there has never been an issue that is settled because of anger. Never a solution found through blame, never anything accomplished through division. We need the favor of God. We need to ask God for his help, his intervention, his his favor. We need to have enough humility to back away from what we feel and where we're at and see the bigger picture. God, what are you doing? How do you want me to help? What do you want me to to say, how help me to listen to what other people are saying. Help me to believe that God knows what needs to be done. Help me to believe, God, that when you say that a house that sits in division will eventually collapse, help me to believe that and work towards rebuilding and strengthening and unifying. We pray for openings. And when they come, we need to be ready to seize that opportunity. The king says, how can I help Nehemiah? And Nehemiah is prepared with an answer. He he stands up before the king and he says, thank you for asking. Here's what I'm hoping that you'll do for me. I want you to send me to Jerusalem to release me from my responsibility here and send me to the city of my ancestors that I might rebuild the gates and the walls. There were questions. The king is sitting with his queen and there's a couple of questions. How long will you be gone and when do you expect to return? Nehemiah gives him those answers. 
And he reports, the king granted my request, said, yes, you can go. Well, that was easier than I thought, says Nehemiah. So let me be bold. Let me ask for more. I'm asking you, King, could you also write letters that will open the doors to the countries that I need to go through to get back home? Your approval, your authority will get me through enemy territory in safety. Also, I I have nothing to build with. And so if you would not only release me to this project, but if you could please give me a purchase order to the manager of your forests, instructing him to give me the timber that I need so that I have the beams for the gates and for the walls. And surprisingly, the king comes back and he says, yes, I'm I'm happy to do that. The king granted my request. Nehemiah is very much attuned to what's going on and why it's going on. And in several of the chapters that we will will cover, he he gives us these one-line memorable quotes to, to hold on to, to remember. If I was going to have a tattoo, it would most likely be one of these these one-liners of Nehemiah uh, that I would never forget the truth he gives and he speaks about God. And here it is. The king granted my request because the gracious hand of God was on me. The gracious hand of God was on me. When God sent Moses into Egypt to get his people out, he gave him his name. He said, tell them that I am that I am has sent you. Tell them that the one who is everything, has everything, is with you and will give you everything you need when you need it, wherever you are. And and there was something of that in Nehemiah. He, he said, I feel the hand of God on my shoulder, the, the blessing of God. When I, when I needed freedom to, to go, God was there and granted that. When I needed protection for the, 300, uh, for the three-month trip and the 900-mile journey back home, God got it for me. When I needed timber to build the gates and have beams for the walls, because there's not a tree standing in my homeland, God got it for me. The gracious hand of God, the generous hand of God was upon my life. I felt it. I knew it. I was aware of it. I need to write that truth somewhere and put it up where every morning the first thing I see is the gracious hand of God is on you, Bill. So that I don't forget through one step of my day, that, that God is with me. I, I sometimes get into places during the day that, that make it seem, that make me feel like if I don't make it happen, it's not going to happen. But I need to remember, I, I'm only a shepherd who has said, I want to be a builder in your rebuilding program, God. Help me to see, help me to remember, help me to understand that the gracious hand of God, the generous hand of God is on me. I, I need to remind myself that just before I go to sleep every night, so that, that the calm, the peace, the, 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 the 
the serenity of knowing that I'm looked after and looked over by God is there. The gracious hand of God is on me. Nehemiah verse 9 says uh, he should make mention that the king sent along army officers and horsemen to protect me on my way home. I, I was afraid to ask for leave to go, but in the end I was given leave. I was given safe passage through all the nations in, nations in between. I was given building materials. I was given an armed escort to get me to the project safely and in as quick a time as possible. I, I was afraid I had nothing, and God kept adding His gracious hand of provision, and I have more now than I'd ever imagined, ever thought to ask for. We sing it, but, but it won't help a builder until they know it to be true and they have experienced it firsthand. God is more than enough. Whatever you ask for, He gives more. Whatever you need, He's more than enough. Um, listen to James chapter 4. James, one of the most practical writers in the Bible, writes this in verse 2. You jealously want what others have, so you begin to see yourself as better than others. You scheme with envy and harm others to selfishly obtain what you crave. That, that's why you quarrel and why you fight. And all the time you don't obtain what you want because you won't ask God for it. What is it that you need right now? And, and have you asked God for it? Have you asked for His, His gracious hand to rest on your life? Have, you don't have because you haven't asked, James says. Do you just need to sit down and have that conversation with God? We forget that the gracious hand of God is on us. In fact, Repeat it where you are with me. I, I, I know it seems a little strange, but repeat it just because it starts to, to pierce our mind and hopefully go down into our hearts. The gracious hand of God is on me. Say it with me. The gracious hand of God is on me. I want you to think about it. I want you to repeat it over and over and over again until it sinks into your heart and it becomes part of who you are, a, a recognition that every day when you rise up, God is with you. Every need you have, the gracious hand of provision of God is on you. The, the other dimension that I, that I want you to capture is a verse that we used all year last year and is still true, is still powerful, and maybe even more powerful right now as we are where we are as a city and as a province, comes out of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Never doubt God's mighty power. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and to accomplish all of this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for His miraculous power constantly energizes you. <laughs> this verse was spoken into existence for, for this kind of moment, the very moment that we're in right now. 
At the height of our difficulty, don't lose hope. Never doubt the ability of God working in and through you. There's purpose. You're planted here for a purpose. You're here as a builder. You're not here as, as someone who has no hope. You are hope in the place that you're at. Given a chance, God will achieve infinitely more in you and through you, more than you think is possible by his miraculous power that gives you the strength and energy that you need to go forward as a builder. As a builder. The gracious hand of God is upon you. Right now. Right here. Answers are on the way. Provision is available. Protection that that you didn't even expect is right there where you are. The hand of God, the, the gracious hand of God is on you. More than you asked for is available. Favor will come from the most unexpected places. I believe it with all my heart. I believe that we're in this situation, in this time, so that we will have a revelation, a brand new understanding of who God is and how gracious He is, how close He is, that His hand is on your life and on my life. This is not your darkest hour. This is not the moment that you wake up to a million dollar need when you don't even have two cents in your pocket to rub together. This is an opportunity for you to see, for you to feel, for you to experience the gracious hand of God on your life. Let let me pray for you. Let me pray for your household. Father, you know, you understand the the pressures and and, and all of the things that have been going on, not just for a day or a week or, or even for a month, but for a year and a half. You know the isolation. You know the difficulty. But God, I'm praying right now that there would be breakthrough in every household, in every life, that there would be an understanding that the gracious hand of God is on everyone that's listening to this message. It rests on me. It rests on you. The gracious hand of God. Everything you need is available through that hand. Every every answer that you need is available because the gracious hand of God is on you. I pray, Father, that you would open our eyes to see and to realize. That you would release our senses to know how good, how close, how real, how gracious you are. I pray that on every household in Jesus' name. Amen.